0: Hey, it's Caitlin. Hey, it's Abigail. Welcome Welcome to to The the Gutsy Truth. Truth.
1: We're here to break down barriers of what's considered normal in health, wellness, relationships, and work. We're so excited that you're here with us. Let's dive in. Episode one, y'all. We're here on The Gutsy Truth with episode one. This is really exciting. (laughs) Um, So this is Abigail. And I'm Caitlin. And so you can now recognize our voices a little more. Um, And so episode one is very exciting and personal because this is Caitlin's story. And so we figured our first two episodes, we would share our personal stories and our gutsy truths. Um, to kind of kick things off and to know where we're coming from and our backgrounds um, and why all of this is so important to us and really why we even started the Gutsy truths to begin with. So I am very excited to listen to my best friend's story. Um, I, pre- I know it really well, but I'm so excited to share it with everyone out there listening because it's very inspirational and she's just got some amazing things to say and we really hope that it helps a lot of people. So Caitlin, are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm
0: ready. Okay. So tell us your story, Caitlin. So my story starts in high school when I was diagnosed with PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And symptoms of this typically include irregular periods or no periods at all. Obesity um, tends to have higher levels of male hormones and um, can be kind of lead to diabetes and things like that. And so I was diagnosed um, with PCOS, and it it t- typically affects between 6 to 12% of women, which is a really high number, and it's also one of the common causes of infertility. And so I always knew in the back of my mind that because I was diagnosed with PCOS in high school, that getting pregnant and starting a family was Probably going to be a little bit more difficult than most people, and so that's where my story starts. But I kind of want to back up a little bit even further than that, um, and just kind of explain a little bit about who I am and my family growing up and everything. So I'm the youngest of four. I have three older brothers, and being the youngest, I also was the youngest of all of the cousins. So I grew up having all sorts of big family gatherings and we'd get together for really any opportunity Opportunity there was a chance to celebrate something, we'd get together, extended family and whatnot. And because I was the youngest, I also had a lot of cousins that were much older than me that were married with kids as well. So family was always something that was really, really important to me from an early age and something I really valued. And so I always kind of had that strong desire to want my own family someday. And so that was a huge part of of my life growing up. Yeah. Another huge part of my life was music, yes. <laughs> which you know this. Yes, um, I started singing at a very young age. Um, I got involved in the local opera company. I started taking voice lessons when I was eight years old. Um, started performing um, in high school a lot, and so going off to college and figuring out what I wanted to do in college was really a no-brainer. You know, I didn't really look into anything else. Music was definitely the the one thing I wanted to do loved college, had so much fun. I always kind of joke, and you've heard this before, that I got to sing and dance my way through college. It's true. It's very true. (laughs) Um, Through my music degree, but also being involved in a a dance um, club on campus as well. Um, And so I just really honestly loved that. I loved performing, loved that experience. And towards the end of my college career, um, I kind of decided that I didn't want to pursue the lifestyle of a professional singer. Sure, um, It was something that I got to see a glimpse of what it was like to be a singer from being a part of these big opera productions and them really traveling from town to town, from production to production, you know, performing and everything. And I was like, you know, I really don't see myself wanting to do that. Right. Um, and so I graduated college and, you know, the, the main question was like, what am I going to do with my life (laughs) after that? And so I had no idea. Um, Music was a huge part of my life for so long. It defined so much of who I was and how other people um, saw me. And so I needed a job and I ended up looking into a job at a locally owned toy store Mm -hmm. in town where I grew up. And I honestly like instantly fell in love with the job. It was so much fun. Um, I got to, you know, interact with kids and families every day. Got to order fun toys, and I started planning parties, and got to incorporate a little bit of the music in me by dressing up for, you know, parties and Elsa and Frozen and all that stuff when that was the craze. And it was a really really fun job. Um, and honestly, like. It was very, it was just, every day was so much fun right. in the toy store. Loved it so much. And one of the best parts about that part of my life was that one day this guy walked into the toy store. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yep. And um, noticed he wasn't wearing a ring. So he wasn't a dad like most of the guys coming in the <laughs> right. store. And... um Introduced him to the little Lego Mm minifigures and he ended up having to buy 30 of those before he got my number. (laughs) And, um, now that man is my husband (laughs) and I just love that story because we are both such kids at heart. Yes. Um, and we have a board game room in our house that's full of board games Mm -hmm. and all the Lego minifigures that he bought and that we bought together once we started dating, um, and I think that's just a, another really important part of who I am, and understanding who I am. Yeah. Um, is that that is, um, we just you know got to like we fell in love in a toy store. Like, how often do you hear so a story Walmart like that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I seriously love our story. So yes, um, that's a huge part. And so when it came to us, you know, we got married, started life together, all that mm-hmm. wonderful stuff. And so when it came to Wanting to start a family, like we knew that it was probably going to be a difficult road sure. because of my PCOS. And so kind of looking, you know, looking back, you know, I I had normalized so much that mm-hmm. I shouldn't have. Um, I normalized irregular periods. Yeah. I normalized, um, you know, fatigue mm-hmm. that I didn't even know that was fatigue. I was right. just like, oh, I'm tired at three o'clock every single day. I just thought that was normal. Right. You know, and also society, I think, you know, talks about the grind and just this and that. And it just, you know, you didn't really dive into it. Right. Um, And I think the other part of it too, was when I was first diagnosed with PCOS, um, it was at a time when my family was dealing with a lot of loved ones who had been diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was a lot of I think a lot of trauma of memories going into doctor's offices and hospitals. And so the last thing I wanted to do was go see another doctor to deal with what was going on for me as well. Right. Um, And I think everyone has different types of things that get in the way of, you know, really diving into what's going on. And so it wasn't until um, until like shortly after we got married that, you know i got on birth control for the very first time and mm-hmm. i thought getting getting on the pill was making my periods regular and i was ovulating and all those things that you know sure. a normal period was doing mm-hmm. and because and i met with the doctor she's like okay we're going to get you on birth control you have pcos this is what we typically prescribe and all that and i also had talked about well okay are there are there foods I can take, uh, you know, should prioritize eating or should I change things up, you know, diet wise, health wise. And she took a look at me and she's like, oh, you know, look, you, you you look healthy. You look like you exercise. You're not overly obese like a, a lot of women can be with PCOS. Sure. And so, you know, she kind of just um, was like, oh, here's the pill. That's that's your option. Right. Um. And so, you know, I got a birth control once we were ready to start having a family And that was December of 2019. And so then 2020 hits and we all know what happened in 2020. Yes. And so going to a doctor wasn't really an option right away um, because the world was shut down and it wasn't until later that year around September that I went to a doctor to say, okay, Mm -hmm. we want to start a family. I haven't had a period, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what do I need to do in order to, you know, figure out what's going on. Um, and so I met with a doctor and she basically did what most doctors do is they prescribe Clomid or Letrozole. And Mm -hmm. so I did a a round of that and that kind of helps, you know, spike ovulation and, you know, helps regulate things and whatnot. Did a round of that, didn't work. Mm -hmm. Did a second round of that, um, up the dosage, still, still nothing. Um, and so that like, kind of was a really hard place because I found myself sitting in a stale, you know, doctor's office. We all can envision that. And just hearing the words, fertility specialist, like Mm. you need to go see see a specialist. Um, And that was definitely a really hard, hard moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so There was no infertility specialist in our area. Mm -hmm. So we had to look beyond to some of the bigger cities around us. Um, Ended up finding a doctor about an hour, hour and a half away. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we go down there and meet with him, do the blood work, all those things. I do a ton of testing. My husband does a ton of testing. Um, Because that's always fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. So much fun um, to act and having to take, you know, time outside of work to go do that as well. Right. Um, and so they recommended, um, based off of all the results to do a hysteroscopy and basically that just to go in, to check on things, just to see if there's things that they can't see and didn't show up in blood work and things like that. Um, and so that December, so a year, uh, a year later, so December of 2020 do that procedure. And I still remember like sitting in the waiting room, like Being really scared. Oh, gosh, yeah.
1: You're good. I know. and This is why we're sharing your story. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Do we need a Brene Brown pause cast (laughs) right now? (laughs) Right? I know, seriously.
0: Yes. Yeah, just being scared because I've never been under anesthesia. Right. Wanting to do whatever it could possibly take to, you know, start a family and Mm -hmm. push through whatever was being hard just to figure out what was going on. Yeah. So it was hard, but, but thankfully, um, everything from that procedure was all, all good.
1: Sure. Yeah. So it gave you at least some insider information that they could not have seen on some regular testing. so it was a very scary moment, but at least it produced some good results in the fact that um you know, it's positive results, right? You know, they could help a check off the boxes on some other things for you to keep moving forward, right. Yeah,
0: yeah, so it was it was a good procedure to have, and it was good to get more information. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward a little bit. We have a meeting um with my doctor. Later on, um, to talk about options, uh-huh. and so he basically says your options are IUI or mm-hmm. IVF, sure. Um, and for those of you that don't know, the average cost for IUI is between could be anything from 500 to four thousand oh, dollars <laughs> depending on what your insurance is and right. where you live and what the procedure is and all that mm-hmm. for IVF it could be you know fifteen to forty thousand dollars it's just ridiculous it's very ridiculous it's ridiculous and that's also if it actually works sure and there's all different percentages of the likelihood of it working depending on you know your personal symptoms mm-hmm. as well as um you know, what things look like for your spouse and everything too. So it's like do we invest all this money in to do something when the likelihood might be really low. Sure. And so like thinking back, I I know there is like joy in the sense of like I could have a kid. Sure. But then also there has to be more. Oh, yeah. And so I just ended up wanting to dive in to yeah. learn more, to figure out um, what other options are there, and really to figure out um, what else I could do for myself. Like, because right. I, I felt like I could, wanted to do anything possible right. Right. To, um, to have a kid yeah. and to start a family. Yeah. And so I just started looking at a bunch of resources. <laughs> And I started learning about inflammation and Mm -hmm. inflammatory foods. I discovered what endocrine disruptors are for the very first time. Yeah. And um, just started learning about how food Mm
1: -hmm.
0: can truly like heal your body. Yes. And the one thing I want to make sure of is that this is my story Mm -hmm. and my personal journey. And it is not going to be the same for everyone. And there are doctors out there who... Are wonderful and families who have used IUI or IVF or other ways to deal with their infertility, and it's worked. Yeah, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, I wanted to learn more, yeah. and I wanted to get more opinions, and I wanted to have um, a different approach to things as well. Right. And so I ended up meeting a functional medicine doctor, and mm-hmm. um, that I actually found out through you. <laughs> yeah. Um, who would have thought? We um, did preface saying we were best friends. So there's a lot of connections <laughs> <yes>. here. <laughs> um, so I, I found a functional medicine doctor. And I felt completely different after talking to her. Because mm-hmm. she basically told me, she's like, yeah, you've got PCOS. And, but if we change up your diet, if mm-hmm. we make some lifestyle changes, she's like, you can heal yourself. Yeah. And so I went from being poked and prodded and tested and Mm -hmm. all this and felt like a victim in my own life. Right. To feeling like I could be the hero in my own story. Oh, yeah. Um, Which I'm going to (laughs) share this part of um, a quote that I think you're going to laugh at, but I honestly love it. Uh So, you know, one of my favorite movies is The Holiday. Yes. My husband and I watch it. Every Christmas together, Mm -hmm. so with Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz and Jude Law, yeah. And I just—it's a great movie. So if you you haven't watched this movie, it's watch it. it. It's worth it. Trust me. (laughs) Trust me. And there's a moment when Arthur Abbott, who's the sweet old retired um, Oscar-winning screenwriter, Mm -hmm. he says to um, Kate Winslet character, he's like, in the movies we have leading ladies and we have the best friend. You, I can tell, are the leading lady, but for some reason you're behaving like the best friend. (laughs) You're supposed, and she responds being, you're supposed to be the leading lady in your own life for God's sake. Yeah, And I love that, Um, and I felt like that was the moment where I was like, no,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm gonna take control over the story and what I can do for myself, and I'm gonna be the hero. Yeah, I'm gonna be the leading lady. And so that's when things started to completely change for me. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is a mindset shift for sure. Absolutely. Um, but then part of it is I just like dove into learning. And the more I learned, the more passion I got, the more fuel. Because mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of frustration. It's oh, like, yeah. why Why wasn't this taught? Like, why, why didn't I learn about this years ago? Mm-hmm. Or why this, why that? Well,
1: I think when you mentioned to me when you first met with the, the functional health person, she was the first one to told you that, PCOS and insulin went hand in hand and you had to manage yourself as if you were diabetic to a degree as far as your nutrition and everything. And you said no one had ever even mentioned that basic.
0: Yeah. And no one had ever mentioned that there was two types of PCOS. Right. There's PCOS that is a more genetic based Mm -hmm. PCOS based off your, your, your family and your, and genetics and all that versus there's more of the, the lifestyle um, choices that can lead to PCOS. PCOS, and based off of everything that she was talking to me about, based off of my medical res- history and whatnot, like mm-hmm. mine was more of the genetic based, right? Um, which was fascinating. Yeah. And so there's just so much that I wish I had learned before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, like a functional medicine doctor is taught of, here's here's the symptoms that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the root cause. Right. And then from the root cause, we're going to prescribe whatever, if that's medicine, whether that's food changes, lifestyle, whatever, we're going to do that. As opposed to the other doctors I had worked with who, here's your symptom, we're going to prescribe you with
1: this. Right.
0: There's nothing wrong with with either of those. There are different approaches and that's totally fine, but I wanted to get to the root cause. And so it was just very refreshing to me with my functional medicine doctor and to really fully understand for the very first time that there's root causes to all this. Mm -hmm. And there's things that I could do based off of my symptoms and my history that I could do to heal myself. Yeah. Um, And that was really, really empowering. And so I think that's just something I really want to say as part of a health journey is that it's been really, it's been really, really important to not only have a support system of family and friends like yourself, <laughs> who's made my life so much easier to like live through this mm. season with, but then also create that group of professionals yeah. that you have as your, your, your team that's working to support you. And that's what I've really developed. The multiple doctors I've seen, nutritionist, also starting to see a counselor as well. Like every angle of Mm -hmm. my well-being and and health, I think, is something I have tried to really build my panel of professionals to support me on this. It's not one doctor who's going to solve all the issues. It was multiple people. It's not just my husband I can lean on for support. It's Mm -hmm. a a, a whole family and friends and coworkers Mm -hmm. and all that. And so, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. And I think the thing about all this as well is that I'm still on this journey. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been about, it's literally been a year since I've changed up my diet and changed out a lot of the products I use and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been gluten free, dairy free, um, just swapping all sorts of different things in my life. Um, and that's made a huge difference of how I feel Yeah. and like the energy I have now and all mm-hmm. that has significantly changed. But at the same time, I also completely acknowledge mm-hmm. that when you go towards more of this holistic approach, that it's going to take more than a year sometimes to sure. heal something that's been, was broken and, and, and whatnot for mm-hmm. 30 years mm-hmm. of my life, um, which is a really long time. Yeah. And so, um, We're definitely not through it all. Right. Um, And it's still um, going to be something I'm continuing to work on Mm -hmm. from a health standpoint, from a mindset standpoint. But what I've discovered is that when I've shared my story with you, Mm -hmm. it kind of spiraled into us getting excited about this whole new realm of information that we never knew about. And I know from me sharing my story and from my husband sharing our story, people have come to us and wanted to learn more or have opened up their own stories. And that's kind of what the gutsy truth is about. Exactly. Um, Because I think it's pretty obvious that it's been hard for me to talk about this. Sure. But I want to help other people find the gutsier version of themselves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I want to, you know, be that person that I wish I had had years ago Yeah, with all this. So, yeah, <laughs> that's my story.
1: Well, thank you for sharing your story. Number one, um, like I mentioned earlier, I know it very well and I still tear up and get emotional too, um, because I'm so attached to everything about, you know, your journey and your life. Um, and we just, I think this is the perfect first example of, it's a hard story to share. I mean, don't get us wrong. Um, it's very emotional for Caitlin and her husband and, and you know, so many people are here to support them and what they do. And and like Caitlin said, now even they've helped just open doors for other people that might not have known. Um, and it just took a simple thing of talking to someone. I mean, it, you know, precursor, like I said, we were best friends, like Caitlin found her, her functional health medicine doctor through my mom. Cause she told me her story and I was chatting with my mom about it. Cause my mom knows a ton of people in the medical world. And so I was just trying to pick her brain and my mom's like, well, I literally just heard of this lady who specializes in functional health medicine for infertility. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what we need. And it just opened up this whole door. And so I think it's the perfect example of how stories can help change people's lives, literally, literally can help change someone's life. And this is why we're here. And this is why we want to tell these stories. And so thank you for sharing your story with me all those, all those months ago. And now with all of our listeners, and we hope that this can just exponentially explode to help not just Caitlin's story, but all these stories and just help people. I mean, that's what we want to do is help people. (laughs) That's that's exactly right.
0: And we're, we're not professionals. We're not doctors. We're not nutritionists. We're not any of that, but the simplest thing is you can, you can choose to hold something in Mm -hmm. and keep it to yourself and not talk about it. Or you can have the guts to share your story. Yeah. And you have no idea what could possibly come from that. Right. Because if I didn't share the story with my best friend then mm-hmm. I want to have um you want to have connected me with a functional health medicine doctor and mm-hmm. I think just with the conversations my husband's had with other people that's let them o- open up to other things and so it's just inviting people into your life right inviting people into your story and I think Everyone has something to go, like, that they're going through.
1: Absolutely. If it wasn't
0: infertility for me, it would be something else. Right. That's just the reality of life. Yeah. Um, but I think we have an option to lean into our stories mm-hmm. and use them to grow and to be better and to help others. Mm-hmm. Or we can choose just to victimize ourselves. Right. And be frustrated and right. angry and hateful. Right. And that's not how I want to live my life. No. And I don't want other people to live like that either. Right.
1: Yeah. So now that you've shared this whole story, um, I'm so proud of you for doing that. What is something or what's a piece of advice that you would love to give someone today that you wish you would have had at any point of your journey? Yeah. I think a
0: piece of advice is... You have what it takes to be a healthier, happier version of yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that there's so much that we can normalize mm-hmm. that we shouldn't normalize. Right. And I think I just encourage people to take a step back and to figure out, you know, what is it in their life they want to see, see a change in? Mm-hmm. And know that they have the ability to do it, mm-hmm. and figure out if it's your your spouse, your significant other, your 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 roommate, your your best friend, coworker, whatever that you might need just to help nudge you along. Because honestly, Abigail, like I know that like I was able to share my story with you because we are such good friends, mm-hmm. but I never. Thought I would like have a podcast episode <laughs> all about it, but you helped me share with um, our coworkers. Mm-hmm. And I still like vividly remember that Monday morning and being like, oh, I don't want to do this. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be vulnerable. It's going to hurt. It's going to, you know, I'm probably mm-hmm. going to cry all this stuff. And you're like, no, we're doing it. We're doing it. And we're going to, yeah. we're going to share the story so we can mm-hmm. talk about the gutsy truth. And that that's something that we're going to do. mm mm-hmm. Um, So you just finding the advocate for you, your cheerleaders, um, that will help you break down those barriers because sometimes you can do it by yourself and sometimes you can't
1: and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So more on a a fun note here, what have you been doing lately because of your journey? I'm going to say, I'm going to caveat this question a little because of your journey. What is something that you've found through your journey that fills your bucket? Hmm. Yeah, I think and it's not eating vegetables because we all know that's uh, the answer. I know,
0: <laughs> love my veggies. <laughs>
1: um, goodness,
0: filling my bucket. I think a huge part of it has just been I um, I've I've always like enjoyed cooking mm-hmm. to some degree, and I've never been like the best at it, but I've come a long way, and I think my husband would agree in the last five years we've been married that my cooking's gone really like gotten better uh-huh. but I think I found a lot of joy and the more time I spend cooking the food that I'm eating
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um I think then seeing my husband really enjoying the food mm-hmm. has been filling my bucket as well but just I think I'm really proud of myself for how far I've come along in that journey mm-hmm. of um of cooking and um, just fueling our bodies with yummy yep. nutritionist food. That's not overly complicated by any means. Right. Um, but that's been really bucket filling to see just how I feel eating that food and yep. then just see how also my husband agrees with me and he's <laughs> like having to eat all these vegetables and chicken all the
1: time. It's yes. fine. Um, so, yeah for those of you that don't know, husbands really are grown children when it comes to food. We so love true. them dearly, but mine's the same way. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So that's been one of the things. Awesome. Um, and then, so you fill your bucket with food. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that because we talk about food all the time and we will probably have a whole episode or multiples on food. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's going to be exciting. So what is something you've done lately that's been super gutsy? Um, and you've kind of mentioned some things and I'm, so I'm curious what your answer is going to be for this on this question. And then why did you do that and how did it make you feel afterwards? Yeah. Um. So...
0: I'm just going to say that sharing my story has been something I've been doing that's been really gutsy. Um whether that's for you listening for the very first time and hearing the story um or if it's just I th- I think along my journey with infertility I think for so long I didn't want to talk about it. Right. Cuz talking about it made it seem real. And I think um the more I've shared my story, the easier it's become. Yeah, And so at first, like, I think the first time I w- like would share the story, it was just, it, I felt very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It felt very, um, just, I didn't want to feel pitied right. or anything like that. But I feel like the more and more I just bring it up in conversations, mm-hmm. like when people are, when it's a conversation where we're, sh- you know, opening up with each other and I can just say, Oh yeah, I've just been living in the season of infertility. Um, I think more recently now, every single time I talk about it, something beautiful happens. Oh yes. Whether it's someone saying, Oh wow. Like I had no idea. Like, thank you for sharing this. Or they share something vulnerable with what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been really rewarding in the sense of, yeah, this, this is, this is a sucky situation to live through and it's a, a hard journey, but at the same time, like mm-hmm. it's opening up also sorts, all sorts of doors and windows and opportunities for, you know, me to grow with other people and mm-hmm. just invite people into what's going on.
1: Yeah. And I love how you call it a season. Um, I've noticed, cause when I've told people about us starting the gutsy truth and kind of our reasoning behind, I've even noticed my language describing, you know, I say my friend, my friend and I have gone through seasons of health some health challenges. And I think the word season makes it not so doom and gloom feeling, you know, and, and then at the same time, it's, it normalizes the fact that you go, everyone goes through seasons of life of all different kinds. Right. And so a season you can easily equate in your brain to it's, it's a period of time. It's not forever. It's not the end all be all. And so I just, um, I've been wanting to tell that to you for a long time now. So I just really love how you use the word. Every time you talk about it, I hear you use the word season. And I think that really helps people connect with you more because I think it opens it up where they don't feel like they need to pity by any means because you invite them in.
0: Right. And I, I, that word is something that I've intentionally Mm -hmm. used um, right now because I think it can be very easy to, You know, I think, as I mentioned, I grew up singing all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I labeled myself as a singer. Mm -hmm. I labeled myself as a dancer Mm -hmm. for a big period of my life. Um, But then as I grew and changed and, you know, had different periods of life, um, I realized that, well, that was just one season of my life that I was a singer. It's not who I am as Caitlin. Um, and it, that even the simplest thing is like, I love to sing versus I'm a singer are very powerful differences. Yeah, And I I think that's the same to this season of infertility is I could say, you know, you know, I am infertile. I could say that, but I'd rather say I'm in a season of infertility and it's a season and it's not forever.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just love that. I just, uh, yeah, I've, and I've started using that myself in a lot of things, mm-hmm. even just like random, random work conversations. You know, we're going through a season of challenges, right? <laughs> you know, you're yeah. like, this makes it so much happier, right? Um, so I really appreciate that. Um, so do you have any last thoughts on what you want to share or other tidbits of of your journey you would love to, and your story you would like to share with people? I mean, we've covered so much, and I know. I know we're going to be caveating so much information in future podcasts about mm-hmm. our journeys and our stories and how that relates and and you know I'm sure at one point we'll have some specialist about hormones come on and get really into the sciencey side of it so yes. that's going to be really fascinating <laughs> for sure. so we'll, we're going to spare those details and have the experts talk about the sciencey part of all these things because that gets fascinating too but um I think from maybe more of a mindset I know you've done a lot of mindset work um over the past six months and so I would like for you to kind of share you know, maybe as a wrap up some of that or whatever else you'd like to share.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, infertility is a really tough thing to go through. Um, but I know that mindset is a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, um, I've been trying to be really intentional of, of doing things in my life to, um, enjoy where we're at mm-hmm. I think something that you you can you hear often is you're always thinking about okay well I'm just excited for this to happen oh I'm, I'm excited to to get married and it's oh I'm excited to have a kid and you never like look back and be like well this is this is time for just me and my husband and mm-hmm. that's like really really special of just having the time where it's just the two of us because it's not going to be like this forever right so as much as it's this hope and want and desire for the next step. Mm -hmm. Also remembering that if you're always focused on that next step, you lose sight of where you are in this moment. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I think that's been something that I try to remind myself of on a regular Mm -hmm. basis is, you know, you can wish and dream and yes, at those goals and, you know, aspirations for sure, but don't lose sight of where you are because then you can blink and, you know, not realize
1: where you're at. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Um, it's been really exciting to officially record episode one. Um, so stay tuned. Episode two is coming, and it'll be my turn to share my story. That's right. Um, so I'm gonna. Be, I'll be in the hot seat, so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, so it's gonna be really exciting. Um, so yeah. So thanks, thanks you guys for listening and joining us on our, our gutsy truth journey, and stay tuned for more.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Gutsy Truth. We are so thankful to have you here with us and we hope you enjoyed today's story.
1: Until next time, we encourage you to follow along with us on Instagram at The Gutsy Truth. Or you can learn more on our website, thegutsytruth.com. And we would really appreciate if you left a review on today's episode on your podcast streaming platform of choice. Um, these reviews not only help our podcast be more well known to the world, but you can share this today's episode to a friend or family member or coworker who you think might need to hear um, an inspiring story for their journey. And until next time, that's the gutsy truth.